Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. G'day mates, it's Bee Buster here. And before the episode begins, I would just like to let you know that Be Scared, which is produced along with Studio 71, features scary stories from around the globe on a weekly basis that aim to fuel your nightmares with a smile. And if you enjoy the podcast, it would be great if you could hit that subscribe button and drop a review. But thanks for listening, guys. And without further ado, let's begin. Back in 2004, I was living in Savannah, GA. My old college roommate came to visit me and see the sights and all that, and we're both horror movie or ghost story fans, though neither of us really believe in paranormal phenomena at all. We decided it'd be fun, though, to take one of the ghost-themed walking tours after dinner. It ended at an abandoned hospital on Bull Street, the top floor of which served as a yellow fever ward during the final epidemic of the late 1870s. The next day, we took a walk around town and when we reached the hospital, I mentioned to her that it didn't seem as creepy in the daylight. She agreed and, before I could object, slipped her skinny self between the chain double doors and disappeared inside. I had no intention of going inside and was actually concerned for her safety, so I called after her to be careful. A few minutes later, I still hadn't heard her say anything back, so I yelled, Hey! As soon as the word was out of my mouth, I heard a window opening on the top third floor. I looked up and it was her leaning out of the window with this incredibly bizarre, flat, open mouth look on her face and waving one arm as if to beckon me inside. I said, are you fucking joking? And instantly, like, as soon as I looked down, she was coming back out of the door that she went in on the ground floor saying, what? It's fine. I looked back up to the third floor window and she was gone, window closed. Even though there was no way for her to have gotten from the third floor to the ground floor in under a second, I asked her anyway if she'd gone upstairs at all and she said no, of course not. 
she hadn't even found upstairs, just looked around a bit. But I know it was her. Even with the sun above her, I recognized her distinctive hair. It's long, bright, strawberry blonde. Except when she went in and came out, it was in a ponytail and upstairs it was down and swept over one shoulder. She was even wearing the same purple tank top. I just have no way of explaining this other than a glitch in the universe or something. I don't use drugs, I'm not in the habit of hallucinating, that's for sure, and I'm pretty skeptical about things in general. What are your thoughts? When I was about 14, we actually lost my childhood home. My brother moved in to live with our dad and my sister and her boyfriend got their own apartment. She was pregnant at the time and I decided to stay with my mum and stepdad. My grandma owned the house that we had actually been living in and lost it when she filed for bankruptcy. She didn't tell this until the bank showed up to do an inspection and gave us 30 days to move out. Luckily for us, my mum's best friend, she actually owned a house and said that we could move in and fix it up. This place was seriously dilapidated though and just outright disgusting. Like, there were holes in the floors, bug infestations, stained crusty carpets, toilets filled with old poo. It hadn't been lived in for years and the people who lived there previously, mum's friend and her family, they honestly lived like pigs. On a side note too, my stepdad worked 12 hours a day, Monday to Friday, and my mum was severely depressed and addicted to prescription pills, Xanax, Clonopin, and all that stuff. Man was constantly in pill-induced slumbers. So, the first month in the house was by far the worst. I couldn't sleep at night because I could hear, like, muffled voices through the vents all night. I started sleeping with loud music playing, just to drown it all out, but every morning... The basement door was wide open, even though we closed and latched it at night because it had a, a serious spider infestation. But we thought it might have been my mum sleepwalking at first until it just continued to happen while she was in the psych hospital. All of my friends were too afraid to come spend the night again after their first night staying there, except one. This was because they just said it was creepy and they felt like they were being watched at night. My mum always slept on the couch because she couldn't be on the stairs after she took her pills and constantly said that she could see somebody looking at her from the kitchen doorway. We took it as her just hallucinating until I saw it for myself when I stayed down to keep her company one night. It was tall and completely black, almost like a, a really defined shadow. I was completely paralyzed with fear when I saw it. I mean, I physically could not look away until it walked out of the doorway back towards the other room. I confirmed my mum saw it too and made her go upstairs that night, no matter how dangerous it was. My boyfriend also saw it a few weeks later when he was helping my stepdad fumigate the basement. He said that it was just uh, standing in the corner, just staring at them. And they pretty much just noped the fuck out of there as soon as they saw it. We lived there for uh, about a year after that, I think, and I saw it twice more, and each time it was just as terrifying as the first. 
My mum said that she saw it every single night, even when she started sleeping upstairs again. When we finally did move out, we saged the house and put a salt circle around it. Within two months of living elsewhere, my mum got clean too and her depression got a thousand times better. I later married the friend who owned the house's nephew and have been there a few times since then, but it's too uncomfortable to stay there for more than a few minutes. There's just something really off about that house. G'day mates, it's Bee Buster here. I would just like to give a huge shout out to Empty Faces for sponsoring this episode. If you guys enjoy all things horror like I do, then I think you're going to really like Empty Faces. In a nutshell, Empty Faces is basically a monthly subscription where you become a paranormal investigator to try and stop an unspeakable evil. Each month, they send you cryptic clues and objects and things to decipher to solve the mystery in real time. You can play solo or with friends and can even join their online community where you can swap theories with people who are at the same point in the story as you are. And it's actually really helpful and it's pretty cool being able to talk with others who are going through the game too. I really do think you guys will enjoy the game and I hope you scope it out and give it a try. I've been playing it myself with a friend in fact and something I really liked about it was just how well it plays out like a real story. The immersion is super high and I was instantly hooked by the depth and the effort that went into making the experience feel uh, really authentic. I really love the fact too that the game doesn't hold your hand and that the experience you get from the game takes you further than just the contents within the initial box you receive. I mean, I must have spent easily at least two hours just sifting through the content and I was so engaged that it felt like only 15 minutes had passed. And just when I thought I was at the end too, something just clicked and it pulled me right back in. I've spent hours theorizing on exactly what's going on within the story and I'm sure I'll be spending many more hours re-scanning through all the content. Playing with a friend was also pretty neat too. Being able to bounce off of another person with a, a collaborative investigative teamwork thing going on made for a really great time. I've actually played a lot of board games in my life and I highly recommend it if you're into this sort of stuff. And Empty Faces have also been kind enough to offer the Hive 10% off for your first box by going to emptyfaces.com scared. But be quick because they only accept 200 members per day. To take advantage of this offer, all you have to do is go to emptyfaces.com forward slash scared. That's emptyfaces.com forward slash scared. I hope you guys take advantage of the offer and see if you got what it takes to handle the horror. I'm a 32-year-old man, and yet it's broad daylight as I write this because what I'm about to share just haunts me to this day to the point that merely thinking about it, or in this case, typing it, the memory is enough to just send chills down my body and make me feel like a terrified child. I've only told this story to a handful of people over the past 10 years because of just how terrifying an experience it was for me, but... I feel that it could be therapeutic to just get it off my chest and share it with others. Maybe others have had similar experiences, and if you have, please be sure to let me know. To tell this story and give it justice, I have to tell you of an experience that happened three years before the terrifying encounter that this post is about. Buckle up, because this is going to be a long post, but definitely not boring. 
I live in Arkansas and in late 2003, near the middle of fall right before it started getting really cold, my wife and I, we were invited to camp with a friend of mine and his girlfriend at Sugarloaf Lake in Oklahoma. I say camp, but the actual plan was to meet at Sugarloaf and my friend, his name was Bob, wanted to take me and my wife around to some paranormal places in the Sugarloaf area. So we got there around 7pm. I was driving a white Ford 1996 F-150, Bob was driving a 1980, something white celebrity. It was a really nice piece of crap vehicle, but anywho, it was late dusk becoming dark and we all climbed into Bob's car and he took us around the area. First to an old abandoned house, but other than some raccoons rustling around, it was a two hour waste of time. Then he took us up to a graveyard that was supposed to be haunted. Again, it was a total bust. And then an old church that was run down and supposed to be haunted and once again, nothing but a big yawn. At this point, it was getting close to midnight and my wife and I were getting pretty bored and I spoke up to Bob saying that, man, this really hasn't been that freaky of a night. And that's when Bob smiled saying that he was saving the best for last. He handed me a Polaroid picture of a hillside covered in trees in daylight. I asked him what it was and he asked me if I saw a house or any type of light pole or anything in the picture. To which I replied no. He took the picture back and said that that's because there isn't and there are no power lines either. About this time he turned down an old dirt road too and passed a small house and then after that it was two miles of dirt road with woods on one side and a barbed wire fence on the other with about two acres of field connecting to a wooded hillside. Nothing to light the night except the full moon above head and the clear starry sky and after what seemed like forever he stopped the car and told us that we all had to get out. We did what he asked and he walked us to the side of the car where the fence and the field and the wooded hillside were. He looked at his cell phone and his phone and my phone had no signal. This was 2003 and this area had no cell towers but he looked at his phone and said that it was 11.57 and it told us to watch the middle of the hillside. Even at complete dark I could tell that this was the same field and hillside from the picture. Two minutes go by and nothing has changed. Then, at exactly midnight, a small light flickers on in the middle of the hillside. A chill runs down my back as my wife, Bob, and his girlfriend, and myself just watch this small light, which to me looked like a, an old kerosene lantern beginning to move, swaying back and forth. We sat down and watched in complete silence for what seemed like several minutes when I finally spoke up and asked what the story was with this. Bob replied that he didn't know but the locals had told him that at midnight, every night, this lantern will light up and sway back and forth through the woods until the sun comes up and it just disappears. But nobody knew what the story was and at the time I was a 19 year old guy who didn't think anything could scare me or hurt me so... Since there were no houses around, I yelled out, We see you. Wow, you're so scary with your little lantern. Bob shushed me, but it was too late. My wife screamed and pointed. I was laughing at the time, but my laughing stopped as I looked to the hillside to see the lantern swaying back and forth, but moving down the hillside to the field at a, an unhuman pace, 
gliding almost. It began to spread across the field towards our car. Well, we didn't stick around to see what it was because within seconds, we were in that car flying down the dirt road back to the lake. We looked back to see the lantern moving slowly back up the hillside too to where it first appeared. But the ride back was pretty silent until Bob spoke up saying, crap, I forgot to put gas in earlier and the only store around is closed and if we decided to go back out anywhere, it'd be best to take my truck until he could get gas in the morning as he only had about a, a half a quarter of a tank or something. I said okay and a few minutes later, we arrived back at Sugarloaf Lake and we had parked by the lake docks and we dropped my tailgate and sat and talked about what had just happened. I said okay and a few minutes later, we arrived back at Sugarloaf Lake. We had parked by the lake docks and we dropped my tailgate and just sat and talked about what had just happened. Bob's girlfriend was pregnant at the time and told him that she was actually really hungry and he told her that we had brought some snacks but she said that she needed actual food. But since the local stores were closed, he asked if we could take my truck to the next town over to get some food because his car wouldn't have enough gas to get us to that town. I obliged and... We shut our cooler and put the tailgate up and loaded into the truck. I turned the key and nothing happened. My truck was dead. Deader than dead too. There was no ding, no lights, no clicking noise, nothing. For all intents and purposes, you would think that the alternator was out or something. This was really strange and after the night that we'd had, it made us all feel a bit uneasy. We got out of the truck though and popped the hood and pulled Bob's car around to the front and attempted to jump my truck with his car. And this is where it gets even weirder. As soon as we connect the jumper cables to his battery and mine, his girlfriend starts his car and within a second, the cables in between the connectors start to smoke and in a flash of fire they just burn up within seconds. But the cables were nothing more than bits of melted rubber and ash with only the end clump still on the battery. Bob runs and turns off his car and we take the clamps off of our batteries. We look at each other in the eerie moonlight and we both get a bad feeling at the exact same time as we suddenly realize that we'd been hearing a distant noise in the lake that was getting louder. It was a boat motor. Now, like I said, this was the time of year that it was starting to get cold, especially at night and we were bundled up as it was and we were still on land but somebody was out on a boat after midnight when it had to be as chilly as hell to get out with the wind hitting them and from the sound of its motor it was going pretty fast too but we didn't see anything that is until the boat was about 50 yards away and a very bright spotlight comes on temporarily just blinding us all Bob and I tell the women to get into his car and lock the doors and I reach into the bed of my truck and give Bob a tire tool and I pick up another. I work at a tire shop and I had all kinds of tools in the trade of my truck. So we're standing in front of the vehicles in the middle, the hoods up on both as the boat pulls up to the dock and two heavily bearded men in their 30s to 40s I'd say step out of the boat and walk up. It's hard to give an accurate description as their spotlight was it still pointed at us and it covered the men in a, an eerie shadow whilst blinding Bob and I. 
They looked at us in our vehicles, and one glances in the direction of the car and at the women and then back at us and lets out a small chuckle. <laughs> you fellas got some sort of car trouble? One asks as he lights up a cigarette. Uh, yeah, yeah, but it's nothing we can't handle. I stammer. The guy with the cigarette sniffs the air and it then looks down between Bob and I's feet and sees the still smoking ashes of what was the jumper cable. Well, looks like it was more than your pussy jumper cables could handle. Y'all need some help? We got some tools on the boat that uh, I think can fix your guys' problem right up. Then, the other man who had chuckled in the beginning says, Yeah, <laughs> fix them right up. I'm speechless at this moment, probably with my mouth hanging open, and I can't remember as the two men walk back to their boat and we hear what sounds like chains rattling around maybe as we try to make out what they're doing but the spotlight is so blinding that we can barely see but the chain noise was enough and Bob looked at me and without saying a word we both jumped in his car and just drove the fuck out of there. For the next few hours we drove to a populated area of houses which wasn't in any rural area so we were pretty much stuck in there since we had very little fuel but we all sat in the car just mostly quiet, looking around in all directions in near panic, thinking that at any time those men would find us. But Bob would also turn his lights on every now and then, thinking that he had seen some movement in the dark, but after a while, the women fell asleep and Bob and I talked about how fucking weird this whole ordeal had been, and he laughed saying, I told you it would be a scary night. I told him that I just didn't know it would be this sort of scary. At this point, the paranormal lantern wasn't even the main thing freaking me out, but the men never showed and eventually the morning was on its way and it was about 20 minutes until sunrise and Bob asked if I wanted to go see if the lantern really disappears at sunrise. I asked if he was sure that he had enough gas and he said yeah, the local store opens in about an hour so we'll be fine. I tell him in that case then yeah, why not? We wake the women up and drive back to that hillside and we get there with about four minutes left until sunrise. We still see the lantern swaying in the woods too and Bob looks at me and I smile and do the motion for zipping my lips and we all watch in wonder as right at sunrise the lantern just slowly fades away to nothing. After this we get back in the car and drive back to the lake feeling a bit safer now. When we get there there's no sign of the boat and the hood of my truck is still up and the doors are still locked. On a whim, I tell Bob that I'm going to try and start the truck one more time before he drives us somewhere where I can get cell signal and call for help and all that. And I'll be damned. The truck started right up with no hesitation or problem whatsoever. We all went our separate ways after that, happy to have seen the sunrise and counting our blessings and swearing to leave the paranormal investigating in this area to others and swearing that we never wanted to come back to this area and run into the boat people again. However, all things fade with time, even fear and common sense. And three years later, Bob, who I haven't seen in almost two years at that point, calls me up and says that he has a proposition for me. He goes on to tell me that he has a group of himself and three other Wiccans who go out and do seances in haunted places and ask me if I wanted to go willing to film their session in the haunted places for their records and that they would pay me well for my services too. I am no Wiccan, mind you, but 
I've always liked the paranormal, even after what I went through at Sugarloaf. Uh, I still had an itch to scratch when it came to getting scared and dealing with the paranormal and the unknown, so I told him yes, that I would love to film for them, but I had no interest in joining in, and that I was okay with just watching and just getting to be out there just looking into the paranormal again. So of course, my next question was, when were we going to be doing this at first? I got a terrible gut feeling, and I just wished so much that I had trusted my gut and told him that I changed my mind. Yeah, so you remember that lantern light out near Sugarloaf? He asked me as if there was any way that I could ever forget. Uh, yeah, I stammered. Why do you ask? Well, uh, I, I told my group the story and they want to do the ritual there and see if we can contact the spirit and find out why it's there and what it wants. Bob replied. Uh, I don't know, man, I said. Oh, come on. Trust me, you'll be safe and I'm going to pay you 250 bucks, man, just to sit there and film it, he retorted. At the time, I was about to become a father and money was tight because... Well, diapers, formula, and like the cost of a small fortune, right? Not to mention that it was my new wife's first kid, so that she'd be going crazy spending money on not just the necessities, but also buying only top-of-the-line baby products like toys and cribs and playpens and baby monitors, strollers, car seats, a combination pack of some sort, and changing tables, diaper genies, and designer baby clothes, and honestly... The list just went on and on and on. So, because my wife was putting us in the poorhouse, I had to weigh out my fear of the area that he wanted to go back to with how important it was that I make all the extra money that I could. So, against my better judgment, I accepted the offer and a week later, I was in the same beatdown celebrity Bob was driving three years before. This time with Bob and two guys and one girl that were completely strangers to me. They each were dressed very gothic too and had these pentagram necklaces or something of the sort. It was a little bit weird. Anyway, it was 11.50 when we got there and the four of them just sat in a tight circle and I was behind them to the right about five feet from the barbed fence that was in the front of the field that led to the hillside and my back was to the hillside and the bushes at the fence line and I was filming my friend's circle as they started chanting something. So as his group is chanting, Bob lights up this huge candle in the middle of them and opens up some sort of book. It's not like a, a scary antique spell book or anything, it's like a, a newer hardcover. Anyway, he starts reciting words from it and then he looks at his phone and tells his group to be quiet and look up at the hill. I turn the camera and at midnight on the dot, the lantern appears. But one member of Bob's group blurts out cool and... I roll my eyes since the way that these people were dressed and the way they carried themselves, the word cool just didn't seem to fit in their vocabulary. Then, Bob says to his group to join hands as they attempt to communicate with this thing. I turn my back to the light and begin to film the group as they begin chanting again and Bob reads from the book. Then, they start asking questions in hopes that this spirit will respond. But, at about this time, a wind picks up and Bob's candle goes out and he tells everyone to hold on and tells me to cut the camera for a minute. I oblige and stop recording and watch as Bob tries his lighter and then 
two lighters from his group, but none of the lighters are working now. I'm sitting down watching the group when I start hearing a, a rustling behind me. I jump up, leaving the camera on the ground and spin around, and Bob and his group are preoccupied with their candle and lighter problem, and as I spin around, I am blinded by the brightest light that I had ever seen. What I believe was a, a lantern up close and personal, but as quick as it appears, the light is just gone again. The lantern is nowhere to be seen now, and if it had been the lantern that blinded me, it had moved from the hillside across the field right behind me with me not even realizing and within the span of about maybe 30 seconds i look around for the lantern on the hillside and nothing it's only 12:15 or so too and the light has always stayed until sunrise at that moment the wind quits blowing and i hear bob's lighter finally flick and i see it light up and i mutter uh guys uh, did you see that? They all turn and ask what I'm talking about, but before I can answer, we're all stopped dead in our tracks by a distant laughter coming from just seemingly nowhere and everywhere around us, but distant at the moment and like kind of far off. And this was no ordinary laughter too. The laughter sounded like just hundreds or maybe even thousands of children. To be honest with you guys, as I'm typing this, I'm looking around the room that I'm in because whenever I think or talk about this experience, I can vividly remember that terrifying sound and hear it in my head. Anyway, the best way that I can describe this laughter is for you to imagine listening to a, a large group of kids just singing row, row, row your boat. You know how one kid will start and seconds later another will join in just starting at the beginning of the song and so on and so forth. Well, this sounded like that, but like hundreds or thousands of children laughing. As if one would start laughing and a second later, another would, and that pattern went on in a, an endless loop. I'm not saying the laughter sounded like the song Row Row Your Boat, mind you, but what I'm saying is that they laughed in unison just like kids do when singing that song. One would start and then seconds later, another would, and then another and another and so on and so forth, and it was getting louder and closer too. There were also different types of laughs too. A goofy, a giggling, a kind of sinister laugh sometimes. Just all around us coming from all directions. And I was shaking at this point and I couldn't move. I remember thinking in my head that this couldn't be real. This sort of thing just doesn't happen. And what the fuck was going on? I turn around and scream at Bob and his group that we need to get the fuck out of there now. But... They are already all running to the car, leaving their wicked book and candle behind, and without hesitation, I run after them and jump in the car just as the laughter is becoming deafening. We haul ass straight out of there and drive about a mile up the road and pull over as Bob is in no condition to drive as we're all just freaking out. We all get out of the car just kind of pacing around the car, asking each other if we just really heard what we had just heard. I tell Bob that... I'm sorry, but I left his camera behind, and he says he doesn't care at this point, that he isn't going back for it. At this point, I got my hands on my knees, just panting, trying to catch my breath, as I have never in my life been so terrified. That is, until when all of our chatter stops, we once again hear the laughter off in the distance, but 
really quietly at first and slowly getting closer and closer and louder and louder until once again it becomes deafening. Well, we all jump back in the car and we speed away. We drive about six miles and for the first three miles we can all still hear the laughter in the distance with our windows down a little and we all begin to come a little by about four miles when the laughter can no longer be heard but we have no intention of pulling over again and Bob's friend is in the passenger seat with his phone waiting for a signal to pop up and at about six miles Bob's friend says that he's got full bars and he hands the phone to Bob and he calls a friend of his who was into the occult and well versed and educated in it and as we're driving he's describing what happened to the lady. Bob later told me that his friend told him that she believed it was a children of a hectate or something like that. I have no idea what the hell a hectate is but it sounded like a, more of a guess to me than anything. Anyway, as Bob is on the phone speeding out of the area, me and the two other people in the back seat all get a chill at the same time and they told me later that just like me, the hair on the back of their neck stood up as a a loud snapping noise from the front end of the car and Bob's celebrity just stops dead in his tracks and we're no longer moving forward. He tries everything but the car just isn't moving anymore and we later discovered that a tire rod had snapped but the friends Bob was talking to on the phone only lived about 20 minutes away from where we were and they said that they were on their way. As we sat in the car nobody spoke and after about three minutes, we saw a pair of headlights coming down the road towards us. But we knew that it was too soon to be Bob's friend. But me and Bob thought that maybe we could get a ride from a local and we all unloaded our car and stood in front of it waiting on the vehicle to hopefully stop. Now, I can't be certain, but my gut tells me that I'm correct. But the vehicle, it doesn't stop and as it comes into view... It's a beat up old pickup truck and it slows down and in the truck are two men in their 30s and 40s with huge beards again and they stare at us and speed up after passing by. I look at Bob and before I can speak, he says what I was already thinking, the guy's in the boat. Before I can say anything back, we see headlights coming from the direction that the truck just passed by and... We all went still and quiet as the same guys in the same truck passed by slowly again just staring at us on the side of the road. Bob called his friend back and told her to drive like hell and get here now and hung up and four or five minutes go by and we see headlights coming and relieved we all get our stuff ready thinking that it's Bob's friend. Then his phone rings and it was the lady who was coming to get us telling Bob that she took a wrong turn and it was going to take her about 10 or 15 more minutes before she gets there. Bob hangs up the phone and watches in terror as I do as the same truck slowly passes by again. This time with only one of the boatmen in the truck though. This time though, the driver slows to a crawl and says, looks like you fellas could use some help. And then speeds up and drives off. This cemented the fact to Bob and I that we were definitely dealing with the boat guys, but where the hell did the other guy go? We had almost forgot about, due to the boatmen, hearing the laughter again off in the distance. But before we knew it, it was all around us like before, and over the next few minutes, it started getting closer and closer too. 
I'm almost pissing my pants at this point as the sound is just deafening and we have nowhere to run this time. And then, from behind our car off in the distance, we see two headlights come on and two vehicles coming towards us slowly, side by side, taking up the entire width of the backcountry road, both coming our way. The laughing seems to be zeroing in on us as if hundreds or thousands of children are within reaching distance of us at this point. Mind you, there's no wind and no sound other than the crunch of the tires on the rocky dirt road of the two vehicles slowly driving towards us, besides these kids. With our last shred of hope fading away into the laughter of the children and the headlights of the two vehicles, surely being driven by the two boatmen, we're given a reprieve because, as at this time, coming from the other direction, we see another set of headlights coming fast. But we hold our breath. I mean, the laughter, the boatmen, what could be next, right? How we get out of this one, and that is when the vehicle that was coming fast pulls up, and it's Bob's friend. She unlocks the doors on her car and rolls her window down and begins to tell us to get in. And when this happens, the two sets of headlights coming from the other direction turn off. And Bob's friend says, holy shit, you weren't kidding about the laughing kids. But we begin to tell her about the boat guys and she turns the car around and no sooner than she starts to drive away, the two sets of headlights come on again, this time with their brights on and they're about a car length behind the car and we all just crammed in at this point. I yell to the driver go and I tell her to go faster. She floors it and for about a mile the two vehicles stay on her ass and then they turn off into a side road. For about the next two miles after that, we can all hear the laughter still way off in the distance with our windows down and then after three miles, the laughter is just completely gone. To this day, I have no clue what the fuck happened that day. What the laughing children were why the laughing followed us, if the boatmen were connected to all this somehow, or if, or if they were merely a coincidence that happened to terrify us at the same time as the paranormal stuff was going on. And if that is the case, why did they not react to the laughing children sound? Is the lantern connected to the laughing children, or did Bob and his group mistakenly call forth the laughing children through their ritual? I have no fucking clue. Like I said, this happened years ago, but... I honestly just feel terrified now when I tell people about it or even think about it. I've had constant chills and goosebumps as I've been writing this, in fact. Anyway, to all of you guys who think the paranormal is just a fun hobby uh, to get thrills out of and all that type of stuff, I beg you and I'm warning you that if you're not prepared for what's really out there, you can think that nothing will scare or harm you, but you're dealing with unknown things here. I mean, you have no idea how powerful or mundane the paranormal could be. I certainly didn't. Please, just be careful because, like me, you never know what you could actually run into. G'day mates, it's Bee Buster here. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Be Scared podcast. And please, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss next week's episode too. Also, it would be much appreciated if you could share this new podcast with your friends and family and on social media too. Thanks again for listening, guys, and I'll see you mates in the next one. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. 
It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.